0: Hey, hey, thanks for tuning in. Just as this COVID-19 thing has illuminated many, many huge gaps uh, in in the system and the way that we run things, so too would be a reflection on the cannabis industry and the story of cannabis here in Canada over the last two years. This one's going to be a doozy. Happy 420. This is a kid-friendly episode, though we'll talk a little bit about some stuff that, uh, Maybe you'll need to talk to them after, but uh, but I promise we'll keep it pretty clean. All right, I'm Luke Wallace. Welcome to the garden. So, as you know, cannabis was legalized uh, in. Canada, we're the first country in the world to legalize cannabis nationally. Recreational and medicinal use of cannabis, fully legal October of 2018. Um, and unfortunately, leading right up to it, it was pretty clear that it was like, ah, oh, this one's going to be a letdown too. Uh, it didn't ever and has yet to become the sort of groundswell economic job creation, community empowering, uh, consciousness raising thing that that any optimist who was uh, following that story and the legalization was hoping for. Um, but it's definitely uh, failed in a handful of ways and, and I promise we'll come back to some good news, but it's, re- it's a kind of a fun story to follow and look at just the ways in which this almost couldn't have gone any worse than it did and how clearly the, the, the folks planning this one out from the companies involved to the government regulators uh, to Health Canada, they had no idea what they were doing in this world. Uh, and it's kind of ironic because uh, they've probably, a lot of them have never got stoned and they didn't really understand the culture and there's something about cannabis culture uh, and their failure to understand how that actually works that underlies a lot of the So right off the bat when it was legalized, uh, there's, there's a backlog of applications, people are trying to become growers, people who were involved in the cannabis industry in the sort of grey zone which would technically have been illegal before this but it was sort of way out in the open and everyone knew about it. Uh, They were having an almost impossible time and I I don't know really how many folks who were or were or still involved in Sort of the black market or gray market cannabis industry here in Canada have had any success entering it Uh, and that obviously would have been the best way to do it and you've got already you know people growing why not just open up the legal market to everyone who's growing you know make them go through post us to get licenses and then and then you know it flourishes what is currently the back market could be taxed and could be flourishing and it was happening in all the communities especially where i'm from anyway so why not uh bring that and make and add that to the big pot and, and i think a lot of people would have been uh, really excited about that no pun intended there on the big pot um but they didn't do that instead There were very limited number of licenses, um, you know, getting called an LP, a licensed producer, Um, big, big hurdles. And it was obvious that it was more just about concentrating those licenses in the hands of a handful of massive corporations, Um, particularly, you know, we're talking like Canopy Growth, Aurora, um, you know, a handful of other ones. Um, And so they got all these. And the money just started flooding in Uh, their stock prices went through the roof. Uh, you know 70 some of them 80 percent and then they spent a bunch of money developing all these warehouses and and starting to buy all the stuff to grow all the pot and then it like fell flat and for seven months and it could be longer it's really hard to find the data on this to be completely honest there's not a lot of good journalism around here uh around the cannabis right now but but it's looking like for seven months straight those those three biggest corporations Saw their share prices just plummeting. Uh, some of them losing as much as ninety percent share price, and they were overspending. You know, billions of dollars being spent on greenhouses to produce uh, really, you know, expensive cannabis uh, that turns out nobody wanted. And that's kind of lesson number one in this: is if you're going to put on a shelf in a store, uh, six-dollar cannabis that looks pretty good, smells pretty good, kind of squishy, pretty good, or twelve-dollar cannabis that smells way better uh, the vast majority of folks are going to buy that $6 cannabis. And you kind of got to know that kind of thing. You got to know it. If you're a government regulator, you got to know it. If you're the CEO of this company who used to run some tech company and is now come in and is running this cannabis company and you don't actually get your customer. No. See, but unfortunately what happened is is a lot of the mom and pop shops were squeezed out because of this sort of relationship between the government and these, you know, massive corporate, you know, drug dealers, if you want to call them that, I'm just kidding, uh, you know, cannabis companies, they squeezed out all the, the mom and pop shops and, and the, there was actually no room or no capacity for, you know, small or medium sized operations to to like get into the market and, and participate. And even now still, like there's, you know, single shops now open in these towns that could easily have 10, um, but it's become so convoluted in the licensing process and access to, uh, cannabis to sell has become so convoluted and backlogged and everything that, that these, uh, storefronts aren't able to stay open and see, that's just the sort of economic side of things. And that's a small picture. We'll talk more about it in a sec, but I want to jump over for a second here to all the folks who, you know, were ever charged with a crime for possessing a joint or a small amount of cannabis, uh, we're talking like 500,000 people have criminal records because of cannabis and in no part of the legalization of cannabis was there any requirement to expunge their records or pardon their records Uh, and that would have been a pretty obvious thing to do and would have been in acknowledging some wrong done by uh, the government in our society for allowing the prohibition of a plant what a ridiculous thing to do we should probably expunge all those records. See, and there's two ways to go forward here with, with dealing with those 500,000 folks who have criminal records that now ought to not because cannabis is legal. We admitted it's not a bad thing. Let's let's legalize it. So we should get rid of this. Anyway, there's two options. One is that like you pardon these folks. Um, pardoning is sounds great, but it's not actually uh, enough. And what it does is it still keeps a record somewhere. So uh, if another government comes along and is like, nah, and I can think of a few dudes, uh, they've weird kind of beady eyes and Anyway, if those guys come along and ever get in power, they can just go. Actually, no, pot's illegal because we're all uptight and we don't really get plants that well. And we have a bunch of guys who pay us and bought our campaigns off who uh, don't want cannabis to, le- to be legal. So we're going to make it legal again, and that's going to allow us to take all those pardoned folks uh, whose records still exist somewhere in the back of a computer, and we're going to bring those back forward, and those charges are going to exist again. Uh, and that's a that's a real danger. You know, we know how far politics is swinging these days in the world. Whereas expungement. If you expunge these records, uh, they, they can't be you know revoked or brought back by any future governments. Um, it's a far more legitimate sort of like they're erased, they're, they're destroyed or, or removed. Um, and that's that's what we need to do that we, when we look at who this is impacted and that's what's coming up in 10 seconds here. When, when you look at who's impacted by these charges, uh, you realize that that we got to expunge this because the folks who are primarily impacted by cannabis arrests and charges were racialized communities here in Canada. And again, crazy hard to find stats. And we know that, uh, we knew, we knew that that would be the case. You and I both knew that that would be the case, uh, simply because of, you know, the racist structures and the, the means in which the RCMP operate in this country has always been about targeting and oppressing black and indigenous people. Um, and the data shows that the stuff that I'm finding is showing that, um, you know, in major cities, at very least, um, black and indigenous people—they're arrested um, at at a rate five to nine times as high as white folks uh, for cannabis possessions. This is pre-legalization, obviously, but now all those cases still exist; uh, those criminal records still exist. And so, uh, as an act of justice—not just for people charged with cannabis, but for the racialized communities who were uh, really burdened with the the policing tactics and the arrest tactics that were all around this ridiculous war on drugs. Um, We owe that community as an act of justice to expunge all records of of cannabis charges. So I know this is like a funny subject and I'm having a really good time. I've had a fun time researching it and looking looking into anything and, and taking a couple runs at, at doing this podcast. Um, side note, but I try to do all these podcasts in, in one seamless go. It's a good challenge for me. Um, I do a bit of editing in there. If I stumble through a word, I'll just say the sentence again and go back and edit it. But for the most part, I just try to do a straight run on these topics. And uh, anyway, it's a really fun challenge. So I'm having a good time. But but frankly, in researching this, like, I actually started getting kind of peed off because... The potential here is like unbelievable. We're talking a million kilograms is what we could be producing, uh, and what these a lot these three big companies were targeted at. We we're looking at like eight hundred thousand to a million kilos, and they totally botched it. They grew stuff that cost way too much. Uh, they put way too much money in, and then screwed their investors over. And then everyone started pulling money. And I know a bunch of people who were like, "Wow, look at the pot stocks; they're booming!" And all of a sudden, these companies that are like crashing and have just like literally since it was legalized in 2018 had, had a spike and then have just kind of like drifted down and it's really like it's not cool uh, we can do so much with this industry and as a dude who travels around the province and i get to you know sing folk songs and go to a lot of small towns here in so-called british columbia uh there's a lot of vibrant beautiful but economically hurting communities and that's come at, at at the hand of globalization uh you know all these forestry communities that were just shipping raw logs we've lost the value added jobs of of building out four by fours and two by fours and banisters and all the things that we should be doing with a sustainably managed forest system we've lost that and there's a capacity to transition here uh and there's a desire to to work and to contribute and to like thrive and a lot of these communities are thriving culturally anyway and it's quite spectacular Um, but I would love to think that cannabis could at least play a role in feeding families in building sustainable jobs and sustainable communities like cooperative models that aren't this failed top heavy you know state-run federal who's funding our campaign cannabis thing but something that reflects far more like the love that we find in our communities. But this is the price of like the capitalist system, this sort of top heavy wobbly thing is that when something like COVID comes along, like look at how unstable it is. And we're going to take a hit. Everyone's going to take a hit. Everyone who is Running pot pot shops if they could if they were mom and pop and they were getting you know stuff from Aurora or, like now we're not traveling people aren't going it's, you know it's a big part of the tourism game uh, we're not doing the value added work we need to be doing somehow the Health Canada has left it this long and continues to push back this getting edibles on the market which for those you don't know it's like you you boil down cannabis and, and mix it with some sort of oil whether it's coconut oil or something and then you can cook with that coconut oil and it's infused with the with the thc and the active ingredients in cannabis and that's a, a really good solution for a lot of people who a, either don't like smoking don't like the image of smoking uh, or would rather just ingest something it, it, it acts a bit differently in your body not my top pick not gonna lie it's a bit wonky for me uh, but it's super beneficial for a lot of people and it's something that we're still sort of stalling on um... But again, if we were empowered in this market, uh, I think it could be something really big for the communities here in BC. Uh, I'll be the guy to say it. Everyone's doing it anyway. Everyone's locked down right now. And and I feel for the folks for whom this isn't the case, but actually, you know, I'm, I'm continually talking to people going like, wow, there's just a lot of people like just about to start growing bud and they're using it while they're at home for, you know, for every sort of reason that you could use it, people are using it right now. And if we internalized this industry a bit more and found a way to, create that sort of groundswell uh, cooperative model around cannabis uh, the is there for the taking I don't know how to organize that it's not really in my skill set but I'm, I'm really happy to be here talking about it today and learning all about it and uh, I hope that if you're listening and it's something that you thought about you know taking to your to your local municipal board or the CRD and saying like you know what are we doing to support this industry because right now the folks running it are doing a garbage job and there's actually really big opportunity here economically jobs wise haven't even started talking about the amount of carbon that's sequestered in cannabis and hemp and what it does for the soil. It loosens up soil. It can grow almost anywhere. Boom. We could, that's a whole nother episode. We won't go there. Grateful for you listening today. I hope this has been somewhat informative. I hope this market gets better. I hope we, I hope we actually take advantage of this incredible opportunity to be the first one out the door and show the world that it's like, wow, Hey, we could like grow this plant that, calms everyone down a little bit and even if you're not into it uh, it's got a whole host of medical benefits that we're barely even scraped the surface of yet uh and the potential's there happy april 20th happy 420 everyone take it easy talk soon